this is triple day. That means that we're kind of doing three things in one day. It is uh, Memorial Day uh, is a time we do remember our soldiers, our veterans, particularly those that have have uh, gone on, given themselves in battle. But it also Memorial Day is tomorrow, you know, many will go out to cemeteries and place flowers on the graves of their loved ones. And so it is Memorial Day that way. But you probably did not realize today is also Pentecost Sunday. And uh, while the church has somewhat not recognized that so much in recent years, it is still an extremely important day on the Christian calendar, Pentecost Sunday. So there's really kind of a three-pronged thing going here, triple day, if you want to call it that. And uh, we've been preaching through, haven't we, the holy way. And so we conclude today with that. And it's just, it's just kind of an interesting thing. And as we come to our scripture of passage today, it's interesting because I don't preach from it that often, but I read it frequently at the graveside, the passage that we'll be reading today. And so uh, let's stand together with that said. For God's word, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. Paul writes, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You may be seated. You've got your insert there. And uh, what I want you to look at right now is just a little graph on our way to God. It's a simple graph, and yet... It, it's pretty profound, pretty important in, in what it is. Let's look at this graph for a minute. There are six points along the way, A through F. And let's, let's look at these different points. Now, first of all, though, let me explain that this entire way from B to F, actually even A, you could say, is the holy way. The entire trip is the holy way. We've been talking about that, but... The entire trip really is the holy way because the entire trip, the Holy Spirit, is active in your life. So when you think of the holy way, there is no holy way without the Holy Spirit, is there? The Holy Spirit has to be active in one's life, and so the holy way is, is really the Holy Spirit way. So kind of keep all of that in mind because it's very true. The Pharisees tried to accomplish this holy way 
outwardly. They thought it had to do with how they looked, how they were perceived. Um, it was all outward. It was works. It was show. It was, it was all outward. But the holy way is really internal. It's the Holy Spirit within us. It's an internal way. And the holy way only comes by allowing the Holy Spirit to live in us. That's the holy way. And it will come automatically. Here's a final thing that I would say before we look at each of these points. God wants everyone to discover and walk the holy way. Why is that? Because God is Redeemer, isn't He? God redeems out of sin to restore, to make new again, to make right, to recreate. And so God is is in the business with his in, his intent of his heart is that everyone would find the holy way everyone okay let's look at the holy way now first of all we come to point a point a on your graph there is what we call the pole of god john 16:8 we read when he comes meaning the holy spirit he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment well, the holy way uh, starts before you actually get to the holy way. You cannot get to the holy way unless the Holy Spirit is active in your life. And Jesus let his disciples know, and he's letting us know, that before you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is going to be active in your life, and you cannot become a Christian if he is not active in your life. The Holy Spirit is that thing in your life that, that's that power in your life that's like a magnet. You're the piece of scrap iron over here. And the Holy Spirit is seeking to get near you and around you to pull you to God's way. And that is the pull of God. No, you have not been converted yet. You're not in God's family yet. But it all starts before that. There's this Holy Spirit pull and action on your life. And I don't know if we could safely say it or not, but I would think to a degree we could safely say that the Holy Spirit is active in everyone's life that has lived upon this earth. It is a pull that God is seeking. God's heart wants to redeem, to restore, to save, to put on the holy way. And so we call it prevenient grace. And most people so sense it, but what is the sad thing? Most people are in that little section from A to B, but most people might get almost there, but then they usurp their own will and they push away, say, it's not for me. I don't want it. Only a few find the narrow way, right? So not all find it. Now let's get to point B, the good point. The point B is what we call the new beginning. And... Uh, or born again, regenerated, redeemed, justified. There's a lot of terms we can use. But Jesus one day had a talk with one of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus. And, and he was on the ruling council of, of Jerusalem, the religious leaders. And he was not saved yet. He thought he was, but Jesus was letting him know, you have not found the way. And he said to this man at night, he said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born Again, So Jesus was explaining to this Jewish man on the Jewish ruling council 
that really had no knowledge of what the new beginning was about. He was explaining it to him. And point B is that moment when the pull of God has been pulling on somebody and all of a sudden they come to that moment, they say, I choose Christ. And they acknowledge, I am also a sinful person and I must repent of my sins. And I acknowledge Christ. So point B is that. It is, it is the new beginning in life. Nobody starts life saved, do they? We're not saved yet. And uh, so point B is the Holy Spirit's been pulling like a magnet and the person comes to that point and they say, yes, I choose Christ. And, and all of a sudden, isn't it different? You begin to walk to a different drumbeat. I don't know how it was in your life, but it was in my life. That was a drastic, drastic day when I started to do that. And because uh, before I knew who was calling the shots, I knew what I wanted in life, and I knew where God was, and I knew where I was, and we were not on the same page. But the new beginning is, God, I want to be on your page. The new beginning. That's what B is. Now you begin to walk in your life, and point C kind of, it's not really a point, it's everything between B and D. It's what we call a deepening awareness in our spiritual journey, this holy way. And uh, Peter puts it like this, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you become this babe in Christ and you really are a baby in Christ. And, and uh, our children grew up and now that we've had grandchildren and the little daycare children over there, I've gone all through this thing of watching little children develop and grow. And a newborn Christian is like that. They, they're not walking yet. They're, they're crawling, and they're learning, and they're developing. And When I became a Christian, I thought I would walk right away, and I didn't. But I was developing. I was growing. I was moving along. And so C is that point all along there, and, and uh, we're, we're a baby in Christ, but we... We have so much to learn, but we begin to crawl, and then we begin to pull ourselves up to the table, and then we begin to walk, and we're developing in a, at a great uh, rate, gr great pace in our lives, and we're growing. But then listen to this. Paul says this in Romans chapter 7. This is this period of growing, a deepening awareness. Paul says, I'm on this walk. But I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. He's growing. He's developing. He knows that God loves him. He has gained a lot of ground, but he's also saying, but I know there's something in me fighting against me. And I seem to go the holy way and I seem to resist the holy way. And what a wretched way this is, Paul wrote. Interesting, isn't it? So all this excitement, but 
he's growing and the new Christian is growing and they begin to sense more and more, but there's this frustration, this pull, this resistance, and, and I, I need something for that. And so the weakness within ourselves to deal with the sin inside of us begins to kind of show itself and our inability to, to get us where we feel like we ought to be. So the Holy Spirit still is that magnet, isn't he? Pulling us, helping us to grow, bringing us along this journey. Then we come to D. There it is on your page. Now, it's not there in the middle because it means you're Christian at 10 and you have to wait till your midlife till you experience this, and then you go on the rest of your life. It doesn't mean that. It just means somewhere along that, that journey, God, the Holy Spirit, is wanting to bring you to this place of what we call complete commitment, cleansing love, entirely sanctified, a deeper walk, the fullness of the Spirit in our lives, perfect love, all kinds of terminology, terms that have been used in, in this part of the journey. Paul wrote this to Romans, the Roman Christians at the church in Rome. They were already Christians. They had already had this new beginning. They're walking with Christ. But Paul writes to them, and Paul knows, I bet they're struggling with this thing in their life. And I know they know they're walking great, but I know by now they've felt this resistance and this need. And so Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Paul is letting them know there's this journey in Christ. And if you come to this point, the Holy Spirit will lead you to it of complete abandonment to God, consecration, submission to God. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing. See this holy way is all about letting the Holy Spirit lead our lives, direct our lives, have our lives. It's an act of self-surrender, a, a, a surrender to all of my attempts to make myself holy, to take this sin nature away, to surrender to God to do that, along with this deep desire to be everything for God as He calls us to. It's, it's this, this time of God, I'm ready to do it. Sometimes we used to call it, well, I'm going to put everything I know on the altar, the altar of your life. God, I, I'm going to just give you everything about myself now. It's yours. Paul writes further, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he writes, and again, he's writing to Christians in the church in Thessalonica people that have been growing in Christ, people that he commends for what's going on in their lives. But he gets to the end of this letter, and, and you know Paul is thinking of them too. He's thinking, you know, I know these Thessalonians by now. I bet they've been feeling this need in their life. So he writes this to him in closing, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So point D is really, all of a sudden it begins to dawn on us. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding. We begin to realize 
God does this for me. God offers this to me. My struggling can be over. I, I surrender to His plan, His ways, His desires, and I give up to Him in complete consecration and surrender and trust. And God sanctifies what I put on the altar and takes me. That's part of the holy way, the important part of it. Now look at E. E is between D and F. It's not a point. It's the whole distance there. It's a lifetime of growing. If we could talk to our saints this morning, some of our older saints that have been Christians for years, and we ask them, now, uh, Margie and Al and Wynn and Brother Elmer Brunton there, have you arrived? Have you really? Are you that finished product that God has made of you? I know all these people would say, well, no, no, I'm not. I don't think I've really arrived there yet. I, I know God, I, I still sense some areas in my life He's working with and keeps working with me on. And so between D and F is that thing. It's that lifetime of growing in God. And so here's the way Paul put it. And Paul has already testified, I, I've made this complete surrender to Christ. But look what Paul says. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. You know what Paul did here? It's interesting. He says, I press on. He's using the exact same words a running athlete would use out in the stadium. I'm running with every ounce of energy that's in my body. I see the goal there, and I know that I've got to get there as, as swiftly and strongly as, as I possibly can, and it's there, and I am pressing, I am giving every part of my body I can possibly give to this race. What, what is it saying? It's saying that Paul said... I have to grow all the rest of my life. I will not give up. I have not arrived. I can't sit in the stands and just watch and, and uh, take a vacation. But my whole life, this holy way is becoming more and more of what God would make of my life. Now we get to point F, which kind of ties everything in together, this triple day, if you want to call it that. Final graduation. Sometimes we call it glorification. That's when we see Jesus. Um, what else is it called? Heaven. Our, our new home. So on. But here's what we must think about here, first of all. There are some errors that we must avoid in our thinking about this graduation day. And so I want to look at those here briefly this morning. One of the errors that people can make in thinking about all this is to say it is futile to try to live a holy life. 
There are Christians that do that. They just throw up their arms and say, it's, it's too hard, it's futile, it, it, you know, it's impossible. And so they just throw up their arms. It's futile. But 1 John 4, 4, we read, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. What is the Bible saying? Saying you can do it. You can grow. You can become more like Christ because the Holy Spirit of God is going to put the Spirit of Christ in you and strengthen you and encourage you and empower you and you can do it. And so to, to say it's futile is, is to really have, have no faith, to lack faith. And so some would say, well, I don't see the real need, the real importance of the holy life. It's impossible. You'll fall so far short. It's hopeless. But God is in us. We need to see ourselves like this, not a balloon that's limp and no air in it, but an inflated balloon representing the breath of God, the wind of God, the Spirit of God that is within us, that equips us and strengthens us and encourages us and empowers us to live that life. It's a life of faith in what God can do, not what we can do, and the Spirit living within us. The second error that we must be careful of is this, and some make this error, There's no real need to get real serious about my personal spiritual growth. Some do that. Again, if we go back to what Paul said, he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Again, if you picture Paul looking at the athlete in the Olympic Games Uh, saying, I have to press on, I have to win this race, I have to give every ounce of energy I can to this thing, then that kind of takes that error away, doesn't it? The the holy way is a serious way. And we can't say, well, it's so pointless, useless, it's impossible. I guess I don't really need to try, but Paul says, no, no. Holy Spirit of God has inspired me to write this verse, and I say I press on to win the goal. I guess the high school um, and college track meets are taking place right now. If you could go out and watch those athletes, watch how they train. Watch how they prepare for a race. Watch the great concentration that they are going through. Watch them as they try to shake off the nerves. Watch them set their starting blocks down on that track just right to fit their feet. Watch them as they arch up and they're waiting for that gunshot, knowing that I cannot wait a split second to start. I have to be out there. And watch them as that race begins and they are giving every possible thing they can give to run the race. And that's what Paul is saying. I press on. And that is the holy way of God. It has to be. The third error that we have to be careful of is this error, and some 
fall to this, and we maybe have too from time to time, and that is there will not be a serious accounting of my life to God in the end. I guess maybe what we're saying is life is so, you know, God is not looking at that many things in my life, and God is not really that concerned about all the little things that happen in my life and all the things that I do throughout the day that don't amount to much, and it doesn't really matter. But listen to Revelation 20:12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And I believe, isn't there another place in the Bible that says that everything we have done is recorded in the book? Now, I know you're not to think of that so much that it makes you afraid of life. But at the same time, it's telling us all of life is a stewardship thing that God is looking at. Well, let's move on then. What can we expect on graduation day? And now we get more to our passage here. What can we expect with heaven? What can we expect with glorification? Well, here, first of all, we looked at the physical body is changed. Paul puts it this way three times. Our physical body is changed. The perishable becomes imperishable. He talks about that three times. He talks about the mortal becomes immortal three times. Do you know what that means? You ever really stop to think about that, all that that means? You're a dying body. From the moment you were born, your cells started to die. And as you get older, I don't have to remind you, do I, all the things that happen. And these perishable bodies that will, if the Lord does not return before uh, we die, we will die. And uh, we will all be put in the grave or whatever method you choose uh, when that time comes. But when we are glorified in that day of heaven and our bodies are changed, the perishable becomes the imperishable and our cells do not die off anymore. It doesn't happen. I'm looking forward to that. And the mortal becomes the immortal. God is the immortal and we are the mortal. But when that time comes, the mortal becomes immortal and you and I never die. I, I, that kind of boggles my mind when I think about it. Let's look at the next thing. Human weaknesses and limitations are gone. The Bible puts it this way. No longer will there be any curse. Well, what was the curse that came along with the fall of Adam? Everything we deal with in life, right? All the goof-ups, all the human weaknesses, all the, the, the lack of wisdom we have, and all of those things we have to live with, but they will no longer be there. All those human annoyances. I'm, I'm not real bright in some areas. I have a, a faucet in the front of my yard, and 
I'm trying to raise some grass there, so I'm watering here and there. And, but I have to step off the porch and down about 18 inches beside the house and turn the water faucet on. Then I have to get back up on the porch. And, but my home is designed that there's this wall, and then, which is the bottom floor, then the top floor goes out about 15 inches. So if I'm not thinking and I turn the water on and I get up, guess what? And I don't have any protection up here. And if, I'm, if it's a real bad thing, I hit it right on the corner where the siding comes together, and there's a metal piece right on the corner that is a corner piece. And I did that yesterday. Conk. Then the head bleeds, and it just it's painful. And you do all kinds of things like that in life. Do you know what heaven is? None of that happens. And all the other things in life that we get annoyed with and human limitations, it is simply not there. I don't know how heaven we avoid it, but we do. We're given perfect intelligence, I guess. We remember there's something up there. Move before you get up and, you know. So that is graduation day. Number three, our place of residence changes. Revelation 21.3 John writes, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I was out in East Derby yesterday, way out east, where some new homes were, some of those big new homes. And those people, some of those people, their grass is growing perfectly. It is edged along the side of the sidewalk, neater than my hair gets trimmed. They have the most beautiful bushes and flowers and landscaping. And I just think, wow. And you probably do too. Do you know what heaven is like? You ever stop to think about it? What heaven is going to be like? Do you enjoy driving around looking at beautiful homes like that? Do you, do you have any idea whatsoever what heaven is going to be like? Our place of residence changes. And I don't know how it's all going to work up there. If, if there's lawn companies or, or what, all I know is it's going to be good. Hard to believe. The fourth thing we find is that scars and regrets are gone and there's no fears about the future. Try this one on. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away Scars and regrets and disappointments and fears gone on our graduation day. Sounds good. And here's the last thing, and maybe it's the best thing. Sin is no longer a possibility. In Second Peter, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth the home of righteousness. No evil residing. I like that. 
perhaps our greatest trials, our greatest sources of disappointment happens to be the sin in our own life or the sin in, the, uh, in others' lives and, and uh, how we press on. But from time to time, we might trip. And that's the greatest disappointment, isn't it? But in heaven, it's gone. I just boggles my mind. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, words really cannot describe how important it is that we would be on this holy way, our journey, our walk with you, our paying attention to the Spirit, our willingness to let the Spirit pull us like a magnet if we want to think of it that way, and giving in to your perfect will in our lives, not pushing you away, but all along our Christian journey, always listening, always giving in, always submitting. Lord, words cannot describe likewise what is waiting for us. Help us not to spend our lives trying to make a heaven here on earth because we would never come close to that. But we are to spend our lives walking the holy way. Help us as we would do that. May our daily walk reflect that we have really made this the priority of our lives, the priority of our lives, the holy way. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who is the one who will start us, who will take us, who will keep us, who will present us before you as your word would even declare blameless on that day. May we truly be submitted, given over to you. In your name we pray.